Wholesome Friendly Podcast. We've got a whole crew here tonight. My name's Chase. We've got Jake, Sreyas, Sam, and Topher all on tonight to kind of do our post-op of the season. Um, you may have noticed we did not do a Washington State episode. We were just simply too demoralized to record one, and we figured <laughs> if the team's not going to show up, why should we? So with that being said, um, you know, Utah was admittedly, I, I think, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think that game went way better than any of us anticipated it would going in without Shador, going in with a team that had completely apparently given up on the season. Um, Ryan Staub looked really good. We kept it tight. Good teams win, great teams cover, and we easily covered that game. You know, what were our overall thoughts, uh, comments, reactions? Strayus, you can go first. Sure. So first of all, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over Washington State. That was, that was demoralizing. I was there. That was the last game I went to. I couldn't make it to Utah at the end of the day. I had I had everything lined up to go, but it's just the weather and needing to stay home a little bit more uh, decided not to go. But, yeah, Washington State, I was there. It was miserable. It's cold, freezing. Shadur got hurt very early on, and Shadur getting hurt was honestly probably for the best until I found out today that he has a fracture in his back. That's terrible. Let's really hope that's a major key to next year. And he's, we got to get him healthy and got to figure that whole thing out. And honestly, I think Sam was the one in particular who said it directly on the pod that it was only a matter of time that Shadur was going to keep taking beatings before he'd finally get knocked out. So all the best to Shadur. What an amazing season he had overall, just completely let down by his offensive line. It's just so, so painful to see. Now, as far as Utah's concerned, now we have to contextualize this. Utah was dealing with some major flu issues, which is part of what happened to CU in Washington State. They were dealing with major flu issues. By all accounts, they were not playing at full strength. Um, Jonah Ellis was out. Like so, a lot of their a lot of their big names were out. It, it was a shell of what Utah was at the start of the season, but. Nevertheless, it's still Utah. Utah was a lot more deep than CU was this year. And CU looked good. There was obviously some very questionable, and I'm being nice by saying that, very questionable calls that called back, I think, three or four touchdowns in that game. Absolutely ridiculous. But in terms of what you want to see, what I was really worried about, Chase, you kind of touched on it. What I was really worried about after that Washington State game is that the team had just completely packed it in and was over, like just wrapped things up and, and wanted to get out of there. That is not how the Utah game panned out at all. That is not how that game panned out. That They were in that game from start to finish. They played pretty well. Ultimately, their defensive line was the side that really let them down in that game because kind of what happened against Arizona happened against Utah too, where we gave the ball back to the other team, and then they just held on to it for an entire quarter because we could not stop them. Right, They were getting four or five yards every single running play and just choked the game away. I mean, uh, choked Art, choked us. They didn't They didn't blow the game, but they were just like choking the life out of us. What was it, a six, seven-minute drive at the end? Absolutely crazy. You know, so that that's your evidence right there of not the offensive line alone being a problem, but we also got problem on the defensive line. Just it, it all starts with winning the line of scrimmage, and we just can't do that even against a, a strapped – or uh, a beleaguered Utah team with all the injuries. But nevertheless, I look at the bigger picture here and I say, well, we weren't going to go to a bowl game after what happened during Stanford. You know, I think a lot of us kind of looked at that and said, this could be, this could be really bad, but they improved significantly this year. There's, there's obviously some questions moving forward, but uh, I, I like the way that that season ended. I'm glad it didn't end against Washington State. I'm glad it ended against Utah, and they played as 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 hard and as well as they did. We know it's we know what needs to get improved, and it does need to get improved. Um, but overall, I can't complain too much. Last year at the end of the season, we were 124th in FPI, and this year we were 75th. That's a substantial, non-negligible improvement even if the, the conference record didn't improve. So um, very much a moral victory, but given everything, the bigger picture, it's it's something to to hold my hat on to, kind of like after 2019. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think for the purposes of this episode, we're going <clears> to <throat> beat the, 
the play-by-plays to death like we did during the regular season. But I will say seven minutes and 25 seconds was was left in that fourth quarter when Utah got the ball. And you have to remember, Utah didn't even score. So theoretically, you know, the only thing stopping them was the clock. They could have held on to that ball. They were on the 27-yard line uh, when they stopped, and we, and we were never stopping them. So, um, you know, kind of a frustrating way to end. It was It, it was the epitome of, like, you could just see that we were depleted, that our, our lines were getting just absolutely harassed. We knew that was going to happen against a, a very good Utah uh, defensive front, right? Even if they were depleted, that's that's been their bed and bre- or bread and butter. But um, yeah, overall, just uh, you know, a, a fitting into the season. A moral victory, though. I, I agree with you on that, Sreyas. Um, Really quickly, we'll just run through, because we got kind of a full episode today. I'm going to do the Q Wealth Management players of the game. Go to qwealthmanagement.com to learn more. Shout out to them for being a sponsor throughout the entire season. We really appreciate it. Um, so go give them, go get, go check them out if you guys are interested. Um, with that being said, um, on offense, we gave it to Ryan Staub. I thought he had a, a phenomenal game considering the situation. He came in, he looked competent. Um, it kind of reminds me of that game where Steven Montez came in in relief of um, Lufau, where it really got my hopes up. And so I'm not going to let that happen again uh, because Montez proved to be an absolute fraud. Um, you can't but, slander. You can't slander Montez. Sure, can. Sam. sure again. Not oh, that's Sam. true. That's true. Um, that's right. Um, who has the most touchdown passes in the history of college Colorado football? Okay, yeah. the two best yeah. quarterbacks you ever had. <laughs> yeah, Cody Hawkins and Steph go Lufa, go look, go look them up. Go look them up. <laughs> um, <laughs> On defense, we're we're gonna give it to Levante Bentley again. The the linebacker core didn't exactly play lights out, but he had a ton of tackles. He was everywhere. He's got a motor. He kind of reminds me of Nate Landman, um, as far as just always being there, always running to the ball. Um, and then special teams, I'm pulling an audible on this one. I'm gonna give it to uh, Colorado legend Cole Becker, um, oh, who God. was in fact <laughs> playing for Utah. <laughs> <laughs> was in fact playing for Utah that game, but did have three field goals. It was a great reminder of why maybe. We should not have run him off, um, hey, especially Mata since made a forty-seven yarder in that. That's game, true. Man. That's true. Shout out to Mata. He uh, <laughs> made the forty-seven yarder, but uh, it was kind of. I was jealous watching Cole Becker actually kick the ball out of the back of the end zone um, at an elevation. Good. So, you know, a, a <laughs> yeah, guy could dream. Imagine. I mean, I, I, the jersey swap for Cole Becker would be so seamless. Uh, we could do it. But yeah, other than that, other thoughts about the Utah game. Um, you know. I don't think there's a ton ton to beat to death. Travis Hunter was awesome too. Let's not forget. Yeah. Travis Hunter was amazing. He got he got two touchdowns robbed. I mean, the one okay, so whatever. Some people are arguing that the ball looked like it may have moved from a certain angle. But, but it can that's move. not the intent of that rule. That's exactly called it absolutely it's allowed to, right? He maintained control throughout the process of that catch. And then even the play before that, he tiptoed down the sideline. If they had just looked at it again. You'd have seen that he just he was on his tippy toes the whole time. He runs like a he runs like a beast, but whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. It it's it's four four wins versus five wins, moral victory, whatever. It, it is what it is. I'm just glad they came out and played well. I, I think it I'm did matter. About the... Sorry, Jay, go for it. No, I want to hear this, Topher. You're coming in hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm just gonna complain about this, like as a ref. For that tiptoe play where they called it out of bounds, don't call it out of bounds. Let them score the touchdown, and you can review it later. That's the yeah. way it's got to be called. I, I'm so sick of Pac-12 refs. Shoot them into the sun. That's all I gotta say. And not that. just that, right? But you're you're overturning the touchdown in the end zone when it's not clear and convincing evidence. And we we blew up about this in the group chat. But the 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 referees in the Pac-12 will not be missed. Um, that's very clear from from the tweets and stuff that we saw online as well. You know, there's a lot of things about the conference that will be missed. The referees are not one of them, um, especially after that hideous performance. But yeah, Jake. Anyway, you were talking about how how important that that blown call was to our our four and four and whatever season that we could have had, or five and seven season. Yeah, I was just gonna argue. I think it does matter a little bit because uh, you go out in the season on a six game losing streak. Was it six guys? Help me out here. Um, and it really hurts you from a recruiting perspective to lose that many in a row. Um, just from a pure momentum perspective, even, even if you, you know, win five, even if you win that Washington state game, I think you have some momentum, you know, going to the off season. So just wanted to add that point. Sam. 2015, 2015, we, we went, ended the season in a huge losing streak that year too. It didn't kill our momentum at all. In fact, I think all of us knew that we were going to be better going to 2016. 
That's true. But they were better than expected, but I think everyone knew that that team was going to be special anyway. So anyways, just thought I'd add that. Yeah, Go I ahead, Sam. I don't, I, don't, I don't think recruits are going to care if you're four and eight or five and seven. They, I don't think that's a big turning point for them. Um, but going back to the Utah game, the only thing I want to say is it just it epitomizes the problems our, our lines have had all year. Um, just something we've come back to time and time again. Um, they gave up like 270 rushing yards, which you, you can't, I think Utah had 60 passing yards. They just ran it over and over and over again. If you can give up, if you give up five, six yards of carry teams are just going to destroy you and it's nothing new. Um, I'm glad they hung in there and fought with them. I honestly was just demoralized going to this game thinking, well, if Washington state can put up 56 or whatever, whatever they ended up putting up, what was it? Was it more than that? 56, 56, 14. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, Utah is going to kill him. So it was nice to see him fight back. And I think the fight is what you want to see rather than the win necessarily. I think a moral victory at this point going from four and eight or five and seven is as good as a regular victory. Um, I think there is a lot more momentum going to next year than there was last year. And hopefully recruits can see that. And hopefully like the media can see that because I see I've seen a lot of like hate for Steve football saying, oh, like they look how bad they are. Like everyone overhyped them. But I think this is although I think all of us predicted them, the record to be better. Uh, I still think it's a huge step in the right direction for the program this entire year. Yeah, and I, I do wonder, given how college football kind of works, you know, even five years ago, 10 years ago, you would look at one of these <clears throat> kind of moral victory games and go, well, it's a good building block for next season. But it's entirely possible and maybe plausible that, you know, the the roster flips are probably not done in Boulder, Colorado, is my guess. We're probably going to see a substantial number of kids transfer out, particularly in the running back room, um, but, you know, all over the place, right? And we're probably going to have a ton of guys come in. And so I actually don't know, you know, one, I don't think this team ever really gelled. I, it, I didn't get the the sense that this was a, a team that like really wanted to win for each other necessarily. You know, I, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys disagree with me. I never got that sense, but I don't, I don't know how much it matters to have like a, a good performance at the end of the season, because at the end of the day, you know, I think several coaches are going to leave. We already know some, and, and, you know, a lot of the players are probably going to go in and out. So um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's being too pessimistic. I, I think uh, just real quick, I think it's kind of weird. I, I felt like the the game where they seemed the most like together was the first game against TCU. I, I felt like that was one of their best, like whole team coming together performances um of the entire year like i don't know how you guys feel about that but i remember watching that i was like wow this is so impressive they come together this quickly they all seem to be getting along they seem like they're playing for each other and not that i think that outside of maybe washington state and oregon that they weren't playing for each other but it seems like maybe that was like tc might have been the high point for that i don't know if what you guys think about that i don't disagree at all i think that the team that we saw come out in, in week one was incredibly gelled together. I mean, I get that we have to reframe it now. All three of our non-conference teams missed their bowl games. They're all five and seven. So TCU turned out to be significantly worse. And I do, I do think that um, all of us, especially, and I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. I was definitely guilty of reading too much into that game. Um, I think there are a lot of people that did just because TCU is just coming off a 13 and two season. I get that they got blown out by Georgia, but they made it to the playoff, you know, and they did lose a substantial amount, but their talent level is still pretty good. So it's, I, th- I feel like we are somewhat justified in, in reading into what we did, but I do, I do wonder whether that was a major factor and the fact that there was no tape. So yeah, there was I no mean, tape. TCU beat, TCU. Yeah. TCU beat Michigan and Michigan knew every play that TCU was running. <laughs> Do you, know, do you know how hard that is? That that's fair. That, that's fair, Sam. They knew every play. <laughs> um, shout out to Connor Stallions, but <laughs> but but nevertheless, yeah. So I do think that maybe that once the once the book was out on them, and it, it, it was probably hard to recover from a little bit. So, but you know, there were there were other signs that the team did get better as the season went on because the competition level went crazy. Again, again, UCLA took a big step back, so we can we we don't necessarily want to throw that as a moral victory anymore either. But the Arizona game that was legit. Arizona is on fire. 
Arizona is legitimately one of the best teams in not only the conference, but in the country. They're absolutely on fire. Uh, buzzsaw. Oregon State, they're playing really well. This is before any of the, the Jonathan Smith stuff. Wow. You want to talk about crazy. That that whole situation is wild. So I, I don't even know if we're going to get to that today. But boy, that's wild what happened out there. But we hung we hung with the really, really, some really, really good teams towards the end of the season that weren't just beleaguered like Utah was. So there's some there's there's some evidence the team was actually getting better in in some respects. I just uh, wanted to add really quickly before we move on from the Utah game, just give some more love to Ryan Staub. He came in, was the freshman, and we didn't really know what to expect out of him, but he had a really solid game. Uh, and I thought the O line actually protected him pretty pretty well uh, against Utah, which is also interesting to see, but. Ryan was 17 for 24, threw for a touchdown, no interceptions. He he pretty much did what all you could ask for out of a freshman quarterback getting his first start. So, I mean, that that was one upside to the game that I wanted to highlight briefly. Yeah, and no stupid mistakes, which you would kind of expect from a particularly a freshman who who hasn't played all year. So, he uh, he definitely deserves the shout out, um, and you know was very deserving of the honorarium of Q Wealth Management Player of the Game. Uh, but that being said, so, you know, Sreyas, you kind of talked about it. Overall, you know, we came into this season, it would be it'd be crazy to maybe I'll go back and, and this week listen to our preview or, or week one episode to hear, you know, the, not only the optimism, but, you know, I, I think we do deserve some love. I I think our, our predictions were somewhere between the lines of uh, Sreyas, you were up there at eight and four all the way down to, um, I think, six and six might have been the lowest or, um, you know, so we weren't we weren't completely you know, there were a lot of people that thought this team could like immediately go compete for a championship. And I don't, I don't think any of us were ever quite there, but um, you know, overall, what is everyone's season's grade? Um, Jake, I'll let you go ahead and, and start off, but you know, thinking back about the uh, the totality of the season and where we were, you know, this time last year, uh, Carl Durrell having been fired overall thoughts, uh, just a, a quick blurb and then a grade so that we don't beat the segment to death. Man, it was very a very interesting season, right? I don't think there has been a more hype CU season than this one, even including like the recent 2016 one. Um, I guess you know you have the national championship season, some of those great seasons in the 90s, but nevertheless, I don't think there's been this much hype at CU in a very very long time. You know, college game day visiting, um, big noon kickoff came three times, and it was a weird season because we all had that high at the beginning and then. The high just crashed with the last six games. I'm going to give my grade. I'm going to give the buffs a C for the season. I'm a, that might be a little tough grade. Um, Ultimately they were, they won one game last year and this game or this year they won four games. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, as long as they keep improving, you know, that's always great to see, but the goal is the bowl game at least for CU, right? The goal's a bowl, bowl game, and they fell short of that. So I'm going to give them a C. They had some good some good wins. You beat your rivals. You beat CSU in Nebraska, and I don't think that can be understated. Um, but you lost some games you should have won. Stanford is the one that jumps out. So I'm going to stick with a C. All right, I'll, I'll go next. Um, I think, yes, they beat Colorado State. Yes, they beat Nebraska. But they beat everybody's biggest rival in the world, which is Vegas. Vegas set the line at three and a half wins. CU won four. They they were seven of four against the spread. They played a really, really tough schedule. They played the toughest schedule I think I've ever seen a CU team play. Um, I think it was like, what, seven or eight ranked opponents, especially as a team coming off of a one-win season. It's hard to expect them to go straight from losing 10 games to beating ranked teams. I think the only game that they're really supposed to win, they didn't in the Stanford game. So that's one game of disappointment. Of course, you'd rather want Washington State to be closer. Um, so I'm going to give them an A- minus for this year just based on the the rebuild that had to happen. And I think I'm also taking into account the, the massive exposure for CU Boulder as a whole. The amount of applications they got, the amount of money that's coming into the school now is amazing. And it's going to transform the school in so many ways that we can't even expect that we wouldn't have even expected with a football program. Even if we had won six games under a different coach, but I think we have to take that into consideration in the season grade, like the national exposure that the CU brand has gotten. Um, so if they would have made a bowl game and really, really 
exceeded expectations, I would give him an A plus or an A. But I think an A minus, taking into account everything that's happened and where the program was last year, I think is a fair grade for him. I think that's totally fair, Sam. So I'll I'll maybe split out my grades because I think the grade that I was kind of had in mind was the actual performance of the team, right? So looking back, I can't give them I can't give them worse than a C because one big thing that I and many people did not expect was for the offensive line to be that futile, right? That was ridiculous how bad they were. It is ridiculous how bad they were. And maybe part of it is the level of competition that we played most of the season was very high. It was very, very high. Um, And you could see in those few bits of, of moments and I, I pointed this out in a past podcast where where CU is the best team down three scores in the fourth quarter because when the teams when the opposition was no longer pressuring Shadur, Shadur could absolutely cook. He is so talented. And seeing that level of improvement was was excellent to see. But if I had known that the offensive line would be this atrocious at the start of the season, there's no way I would have predicted eight wins. There's no way. Um so with that said, I also can't give them better than a C. Because you only won one game in conference, right? And there was at least one more winnable game. And that Stanford game was awful, right? That was one of the worst games we've ever seen. Um, Down there with the uh, Oregon State game in 2018 and the Kansas game in 2010. You know, absolutely awful, awful football that you never want to see that kind of of play. So C is – that's definitely my, my grade for the performance in the field. But like Sam said the impact, the positive impact that this team showed this over the course of the season on the program and the school, A++++++. I mean, we were we were dead. At the end of last season, so throw aside that in the final week of the year, there was a lot of talk that Prime might actually come to, to Boulder, and there was hype building just from that, right? So take that context out, and remember, after 2021 – which was also a very bad team. That was a really, truly awful team. We lost every single one of our even decent players in our roster. Brendan Rice, Makai Blackman, Mark Perry, Christian Gonzalez, uh, Jarek Broussard. It, it just ridiculous, just absolutely gutted the roster. Like an already bad roster and you gut it. You gut the entire first string of that roster. And then you come into 2021 season, or 2022 season knowing that you're going to be awful. Topher, I remember when we were at that tailgate for the TCU game last year and we were talking about how the team was going to do, and you asked me, and I was like, they're not going to win a game. They're not going to win a game. Everyone who I talked to that whole preseason, like, oh, you know, you excited for college football? I'm like, no, not really. I mean, I'll go to the games, but they're going to they're gonna lose every game. The fact that they won one game was shocking to me, and it was a fluke. We all know that, was, that Cal win was a fluke. It was amazing. We had a blast, but it was a total fluke. So going from that – where you're, and then also, I mentioned this earlier, for when, when we were 124th out of 131 teams in FPI, to go from that to improving by 49 points to 75, to, uh, that is that is market improvement. And yes, the Louis luggage talk and all of that stuff, whatever. I, I don't even have a problem with talking. It's football. It's football, man. This is an intramurals brother. Uh, unlike uh, as Dan Hawkins would like, you know, like you to think sometimes, you know, saying in murals, talk, talk, your talk. I don't care. Do your thing. And you know what? They got better. You have to take it. Uh, you have to, t- you know, if you're going to dish it, you have to take it. And so now, you know, people making fun of CU, whatever. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't mention this, but the Washington state game, they really leaned into making fun of CU in that game. Right. I mean, the jumbotron throughout the entire second half was just, them showing students like throwing up the Shadur and um, and then they played, they played a halftime at the end of the game, you know, uh, Dion's theme song. And they really leaned into it because it's, it was that it's little brother energy, of course, you know, but at the same time, it's also just like leaning completely into this thing. Like, Oh, these guys were talking big and now they ended up being bad. I don't care though. Like do your thing. We're as fans, we've dealt with worse. So if if you're going to improve 49 points between this year and next year too, I would take that any day. I throw out the record this year. So A++++++ can't give you enough pluses 
for how much this season meant to this program and how much like being able to pay off for coaching buyouts, right? It's just insane. It's $90 million. Like it, it, I can't even tell you how much that improved, but actual performance on the field, definitely a C. So it averages out to an A plus plus plus. Actually. Yeah. I think that's how it works. So I guess Sam, <laughs> that was a really long winded way of saying, I completely agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that means it's uh, my turn. I will give them a B minus. Um, you win the Stanford game, it bumps up to an A. Um, I think that uh, Stanford loss was the domino that broke the back on this season. Um, and, you know, I it, it could have been a world different, um, world's different result at the end of the day. But um, what the biggest difference from last year to this year is every single game that I went to, it looked like the team was playing with hope. Um, I remember the first guest appearance I made on this podcast. I said it looks like the team was not playing with hope, and you, you could see it in the way that the receivers were running routes, the way that guys were throwing blocks. Um, but this year, every single game, minus Oregon and Washington State, which luckily I wasn't there in person for either, we were playing with hope. And as a fan, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um... One other one other comment I want to make real quick is the fact that there's a lot of talk about CU being built uh, with mercenaries, and maybe to to some extent it's true, right, with how much came into the transfer portal. But a lot of those quote mercenaries came in with multiple years of eligibility. So we're going to see a lot of these a lot of these guys who transferred in as sophomores. We're going to see them grow. We are going to see them improve from year over year. Hopefully, you know it, that's 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 anyways a good program will will show market improvement from underclassmen and upperclassmen so not much of this team is is leaving unless it's in the transfer portal uh for for first-time transfers a lot of these teams already transferred once and wouldn't then they wouldn't want to sit out another year so when you add that context too it wasn't just a team where they just brought in nothing but grad grad transfers they brought in a they brought in some development projects too which is it's very fascinating context to Louis luggage right so the idea of them taking a leap like they did from 2015 to 2016 is does not seem out of question and the big 12 is definitely worse than the competition we face this year this pac-12 conference this year was one of the best football conferences i have ever seen in my life i mean this is up there in terms of like the overall quality of the conference with any other conference I've seen because SEC obviously has more teams. Uh, but if CU, if CU is easily the bottom feeder of the conference and they beat two power five teams and not on conference, boy, that's a good sign for, and Washington state, they finished second to last and they beat Wisconsin. So there's a lot of power five wins to go up and down. Um, and, and wash, we're going to get someone in the playoff this year, the PAC 12 this year too. So, uh, lot to look forward to. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, ch- kind of touching on what you guys said previously, if you if you had told us, like if, if I had walked up to you, dear listener or anyone else on this podcast, you know, October 1st of 2022 and said next season, Colorado is going to have a new coach. They will have four wins. They will have beaten Nebraska. They will have been on ESPN College Game Day. They will have been on um, Big Noon Kickoff. They're going crazy with hype. You know, applications are up. All of those things, you would have, you would have been thrilled, right? That would have been, you would have taken that in a single second. And so, I think it was easy to get caught up in the hype and to be disappointed with how, you know, we really thought maybe we had just completely found the golden button in, in college football. But, you know, we knew that it was probably going to be a process, but we knew that we were going to be better and that's what we were. And so I have a hard time, you know, I, yeah, we underperformed our, our stated expectations of, of, of uh record, but at the end of the day, like this was, it was fun to be a Colorado football fan again. And, you know, even at the end of the season, it's still fun to be a Colorado football fan. And the fact that we got to have that again, um, I have a hard time not giving this, this season an A plus. I mean, this was a, a miracle season where the only reason we're disappointed is because our expectations kept growing. And I, you know, I guess 
maybe maybe that's a loser mindset. You know, we should be thinking about national championships and stuff like that, right? But you got to remember, I mean, this this program was dead. This program was forgotten about. And this was a program where, you know, you look at what happened to Oregon State. And, and I, I agree, Sreyas, I think that's a good off-season topic about what, what's going to happen there. Um, so, you know, we'll have other podcasts down the road more about that. But you look at how much worse it can be and the fact that Colorado went from a absolute deadbeat program facing potential relegation, even though I don't think that would have happened. You know, the fact that we had a season like this at all, it's an A plus for me. So, you know, maybe that's loser mindset, but it was a phenomenal season. It was an exciting season and I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Go, going off of that, like in all the years that I've been at CU and come back home to California for breaks, I'd, I'd wear like my CU stuff out because they give out millions of free t-shirts at the basketball games. And I don't think I was nobody talked to me about CU once when I wore it. Now, every single time I wear a CU shirt, whether it's to go play basketball, whether it's just to go out to the bookstore, whether it's to go get groceries shopping, people of all ages, all ethnicities, everybody, they always want to talk about CU football, which is insane to me. It's insane how quickly the brand of CU football has been something that people want to talk about. And sometimes it is people saying, oh, you guys like uh, struggled or but most of the time, it's people that are like in awe of what C's been able to do, regardless of their record. Like some people just want to talk to me about how awesome they think Coach Prime is and they love his message, regardless of the football. Like it's just, I think you can't, I mean, they probably pay people a lot of money to put a dollar figure on how much that's worth. But I don't think you can't, I don't think you can. I think it's priceless to the university and they have to figure out a way to keep them there because there's not going to be, there's nobody else that can bring that kind of prestige and money to the university the way that coach prime can. There could be better football head coaches, but I think you can, I think they need to realize that they might not win a national championship with coach prime. They might not make it to a new year six bowl, but if they can be a respectable college football team that brings in, like 90,000 applications or uh, 100,000 applications each year and can increase the prestige of the university, I think you have to do whatever you can to keep them there and keep them happy. Even if necessarily the the football results aren't perfect, I think we've seen just by going four and eight, the way that the University of Colorado is a top tier program, even if it's not necessarily on the football field quite yet. Yeah. And, and whether you loved us or you hated us, everyone watched. Right. And, and like Shreyas was talking about, you know, it, it hurts. It really does. It hurts to see people like hating on Colorado because for the longest time, everyone liked us because we were so unintimidating and <laughs> to have it thrown back in our face the way it has been. Right. And, and seeing Shador mocked and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, oh my God. Can you believe you know? the overrated chance? Uh, that yeah. was another thing. The, in the Washington's okay, like in the ASU game, we were there's still a little bit of hype, right? I get that they just got blown out by uh, Oregon and they lost a close one to USC, but they're, the overrated chance there are already a little much. But the overrated chance in Pullman, that was something else. I could not believe. And, and the other thing is like, dude, even if they're chanting at Shadur, this guy just got broken and f- found out like he has a fracture in his back and you guys are cheering. That's little brother energy. I tell you what, that is absolutely little brother energy. That's why those guys are out of a conference. <laughs> no, they, they can uh, they can shout overrated while they receive their $4 million TV payout or whatever they end up getting in the Mountain Dude. West. Uh, this well, was at least a... they had fun. At least, and we gave them fun because CU football is fun to be around now, yeah. regardless of the record. People love to I... see us lose. And that's that honestly great. You're just giving us more attention, man. You're giving yeah. us more attention. It... We were dead before. And if you love to see see you lose, you're going to be a very very happy person. If you have, <laughs> if that's if if that's your hobby, it's like if your ho- if like looking at the sky is is your hobby that makes you happy. Like you're gonna most days you're gonna be in a pretty good mood. But going back to what you, sorry, what you were saying about like the overrated chant, chanting overrated at any sports team is the most idiotic team thing you can do because it just like like means what your team is doing and beating that team is worthless it's like you should be chanting underrated like look how good we're doing against this <laughs> against this team like okay you're beating an overrated team so you guys suck as well that you guys are beating a bad team that's what you're saying it's it's so stupid 
It really is. That that was, I'll never forget that. If there's one thing that's emblematic of the season, it's that moment. Like you're 30, it's 31 degrees with 80% humidity, freezing fog on the ground everywhere, just mis- absolutely miserable weather. Stadium is already half empty because people just didn't want to brave that horrible weather, which I don't blame them at all. It was awful. And then your team is winning by like, you know, six touchdowns. And the the opposing quarterback is literally has a broken back and half the team is the flu. And you're sitting there as fans in, relishing your last game as a power five team <laughs> and chanting overrated to a team that finished one and eight in conference. Just am, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I am curious, you know, so Texas A&M announced today um, that they're, they're hiring the Duke head coach. Um, so, you know, there, there'd been some rumblings on Twitter and stuff about, you know, coach prime's going to get, and he is right. He's going to get offers, right? He, the ending probably helped us out with him not getting bigger offers, but he brings eyeballs to a university and university is going to value that. So whether it happens this year or next year, I'm assuming there's progress, right? There's going to be those offers. So I, you know, I was thinking about this and, you know, while prime is not the hottest commodity, and if we really believe that he's going to get us there. I think Colorado needs to seriously consider doing a contract, even after that ending, doing a contract extension for Prime and locking him down. So I don't know if you guys want to touch in on that. I know we hadn't really planned that that topic, but I just want to throw it out there that, you know, maybe we should be buying low when we can, because the hype that he's brought to the university and the eyeballs, and frankly, you got to believe, right? He's, I, I don't know, I, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I believe, right? He's the guy. So um, I don't know. It, it's one of those, I, I, I hope we think about that and, and consider that. Um, yeah, it's a perfect fit, I think, here at CU for him. And I can't think of a, another coach that would be able to bring the amount of eyeballs that he does to this program. And it also affords him a safe media market, if you think about it. Like, Boulder's never, like, Boulder's not a uh, New York. It's not an LA. It's not a, like, it's not a big SEC school where they're going to care a lot about football, whether you win or lose. Like, he's not going to get asked super, super tough questions all the time by the reporters. Like, it's a good market to grow in. It's a good place where you can fail and they're not going to crucify you. You can go one in 10 and no one will really care. Like, like that was the, the, the sad, like, like, like apathy that we saw in Boulder last year. Like, they went one in 10 and they get people were like, ah, okay. Well, we've Carl Durrell probably should. Yeah. It's like Carl Durrell probably shouldn't be the coach, but like, like, what's the next guy you're going to do? Just keep sucking? Like, like obviously, I think he's changing that, but it's a really, really good place where, like, the limelight is on him as much as he wants it to be. When he wants it to be on him, we can get college game day. We can get big noon kickoff. But when we're struggling, he it doesn't, like, those, like, those things kind of go away a little bit easier in Boulder. And I hope he appreciates that. Like, we've seen plays, people like Carmelo Anthony, who was in a safe media market in Denver and wanted to go him and his wife wanted to go to New York and he would, if he played bad, he would be crucified in New York. Like that's, that's the thing that sometimes people get and sometimes people don't. And I think it's, I think it's a perfect fit here in Boulder for him. And I hope both sides see it that way and reward him with a contract. I think that you nailed it there. Boulder. We have a lot of other things to do here, right? College football rightfully is often an afterthought in this whole region. And it certainly helps when CU and CSU both been as bad as we have historically. And then Air Force, Air Force is an interesting case because it is a service academy. It has a little bit of a national brand, but because they're a service academy, they're very limited in what they're able to actually do. So they're very successful, but they don't have, they don't really have hype associated with them. Even this year when they were eight, no, there really wasn't as much national hype as you'd think that there would be for a team like that. So this is this is an absolutely perfect place for Prime to just be Prime. That's the best part about this. If he goes to the SEC, if he goes to a school in 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 Texas, right, which is now also SEC country. If he goes if he goes anywhere where college football is king, and that rules that r- rules the day in terms of the the day to day thought processes of of everyday people, then all of a sudden he's going to have to answer to people, right? He's going to have to answer to donors. He's going to have to answer to the AD or he may, there may not be alignment there. He's going to have to answer to just general people in the public all the time about every little decision. I mean, look at what happened in Texas A&M. 
they had basically hired Mike Stoops. And then the fans revolted on Twitter until Mike Stoops decided to stay at Kentucky. Like, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but that's certainly how it appeared. It certainly appeared that there was, that was about to, to actually be a done deal. And that cult fan base, which is what they are, they refer to themselves as a cult, came in and said, no, we don't want this. Could you imagine Prime being in an environment like that? He would absolutely hate it. Prime wants to be Prime. And I that is one of the things I love most about him. He's unapologetic about who he is. No matter what the circumstances, good or bad, he's unapologetically himself. I can see that type of mentality potentially causing friction behind the scenes. I wouldn't be surprised if that type of thing happens. But at the same time, I love I, I love that. I think a lot of people can glean value in their own lives from living it that way. And Boulder is the perfect place for him to be able to execute something like that and still be at the Power 5 level and potentially have the chance to win championships, which has happened in Boulder before. So, Chase, yeah, I think you're totally right. If, if this is the opportunity to, to lock him up as, as long as you possibly can to a long-term deal and keep him around as long as possible, you do it because he's bringing so much more to the school than just a good football team. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've seen some, you know, some commits that have decommitted, and we'll talk about that in its own episode. Um, some coaches that won't be joining us next year, Tim Brewster's and now Sean Lewis. I mean, it's almost impossible to imagine Sean Lewis will be back next year. But, you know, we're going to do our own episode on that during the offseason about coaching moves, player decommits, transfers in and out. We anticipate there's probably going to be quite a few kids both hitting the portal um, and, you know, coming in. So um, with that being said, we know it's super, super early, but Vegas will be setting the over under for the season total as soon, basically as this season concludes here in January, or February uh, with the national championship. So um, with that being said, let's go ahead and talk what we think our predicted over under for next season in Vegas will be. I will make this a quick segment, but I'm going to go ahead and start. I think it's going to be six and a half wins. I think the bowl game will be the expectation. Remember we're going to the big 12, It's a weaker conference. It certainly looks like it's going to be a hell of a lot weaker next year than the Pac-12 was this year, um, you know, for a variety of reasons. So it's it's a winnable conference. That being said, I think Vegas is going to want us to prove it one way or another. This is not our prediction. It's just what I think Vegas is going to do, right? Um, And so I think six and a half is probably pretty fair on that line. Yeah, I I think I think it'll be close to that. I personally think it'll be five and a half. Uh, I think. There's a lot of anticipation for next year, um, both in terms of people thinking that CU is going to succeed and also in terms of people that think CU is going to fail. We've heard a lot of people hating on CU recently. We've had a lot of people loving CU. So I think five and a half satisfies both of those betters. It satisfies the people that think there's no way CU is going to make a bowl game and there's satisfied people that say, oh, CU is definitely going to make a bowl game. Um, so yeah, I could, I, I think it'll be five and a half, but also throwing in the schedule thing, it might be higher, but, um, yeah, I'm sticking with five and a half wins for them next year. Yep. I think that's a totally fair prediction. I think six and a half is good. I, I could have met, so it might be a little too early to set the line. I think a lot of that line is going to depend on what actually happens in the transfer portal. We already know that coach prime is going to take a very small class. That's abundantly clear. And there's going to be some movement there. There's some key guys like Aaron Butler that I really, really hope that CU can keep. That would be really, really valuable. Like having that kind of an athlete or more of those kind of athletes in your program. But I could see some more movement there. But the big key is what is Coach Prime going to do about the trenches? That is, or what can he do? That's the other thing. What It's not just what will he do, but what can he do? There have already been a few linemen that have already announced they're being the transfer portal. Um, I, I saw uh, Vanderbilt offensive linemen. Uh, there's a few others. So Vanderbilt obviously is not your standard for who you necessarily want to pull from. But at the same time, if they can play, if they have the opportunity to improve, and they don't even have to be a great offensive line. They just have to be average at best, right? Just be average. Give Shadur a chance, give her running backs a chance, give Dylan Edwards a chance, right? Give uh, Alton McCaskill, who'll probably play a lot more next year, a chance. So if they do upgrade the lines, I could definitely see being plus or minus uh, the over under being seven and a half. 
but it's 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 going to depend on what happens in the off season. So we'll we'll have to revisit this in spring ball. I expect it to be seven and a half. <sighs> Reason being, excuse me, is that the Big Twelve conference is worlds worse than what Pac twelve was this year. And we were competitive in the Pac twelve this year with a terrible, terrible, criminally bad offensive line. I I would be shocked if Bill O'Boyle is still coaching in Boulder next year. Shocked. We're going to have a new off- offensive line coach. We're going to have a new offensive line. Um, we're going to have returners that are going to um, that are going to understand what the standard is and what the culture is at Colorado. Um, we're going to have a defense that will have D linemen that are over three hundred pounds, and there's an ample lo- amount of talent that we're looking at here, right? You have to think the entire O-line at Oregon state probably doesn't want to get relegated down to the mountain West for their senior years. Hey, come pay, come play for coach prime. You have to think Ryan day. There's talk that Ryan day might get canned after losing to Michigan again. Hey, Ohio state, (laughs) you want to take your chance with the new coach or you want to come play for coach prime, right? There are good offensive lines and good teams that are losing coaches that I think we can go poach talent. So I I fully anticipate it to be seven and a half, and I fully anticipate to take the over. Go buffs. I love that optimism. That's that's what I'm here for. The whole Ryan Day thing is wild, by the way. I just it's a different world. It must be actually I don't know if it must be nice. It must be terrible. It honestly must be terrible to be a fan that has is that miserable. That if you lose one single game, your entire existence and life, and if, if it's to one specific team too, right? Your existence in your life just comes so f- crashing down that you want to fire your 56 and seven coach that's gone to the playoff. What four out of five years or five out of six years he's been there? Rid or it'll be four out of six after this year because they're not probably not going to make the playoff this year. Just for absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I just can't even imagine. I literally cannot even imagine living in a world where my college football team, I could be that spoiled to feel like I would love for that to happen at some point. Cause I know that someone like me, I have enough perspective, dude, someone like us, we got perspective. There's no way after what we've seen that we would take something like that for granted, but Hey, Ryan Day, do you want to be your offensive coordinator if Sean Lewis leaves? I mean, <laughs> Coach Prime Rehab, is that like the new Saban Rehab where uh, a Bill O'Brien go and or Steve Sarkeesian goes there to be their offensive coordinator? Is it Coach Prime Rehab? He comes over here, Ryan Day runs a show on the offense. I don't know, man. That's just wild, though. I can't believe it. Well, and, and fun fact, um, Colorado at least expressed interest, if not interviewed, Ryan Day when we hired Mel Tucker. Um, so for we the thought we were going to get him. Yeah, we, we really he thought, just, I mean, he was the guy. Yeah. He was um, just so, using us though. He was totally just using us to get um, a deal from Ohio. State. Yeah. For people that are, are new since prime came um, some, some fun history lesson there for you. Um, hard to imagine he would have stuck along and stuck around any longer than Mel Tucker did, but um, <laughs> yeah. you know, hindsight being 2020. Um, Maybe he wouldn't have been inappropriately horny though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I knew no, someone was going to say it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah. I was going to say it. but um, Okay, well, very quickly, because um, this is already a longer episode, let's talk about basketball. Uh, men's hoops had a pretty not, even not great loss to Florida State. Not not a horrible loss, but not a great loss either. Um, pretty solid win against a Iona team that many people think might make the dance. And then obviously that huge upcoming match against Colorado State. Um, Colorado State looks totally legit in basketball. Um, I hope the game is as exciting as the football game was this year, but um, has the same result as well. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? And then we'll 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 talk women's right at the end. Yeah, I, I still have a lot of hope for the men's team. So that Florida State game, so I, I can't remember who said it. Someone said it on Twitter, and it wasn't even about CU. It was just in general about college basketball. Don't write off a good team because they had a bad shooting day. And that I believe that KJ Simpson went five of twenty-two or something from the field that day. Man, and you and you still take a power five team to overtime and almost beat them. Let's look at this. Last year, that CU team that was super uneven, they lost to Grambling. They went into Tennessee, not actually at Knoxville, but in, in Tennessee, and beat Tennessee. 
I'm sure that Tennessee fans are ready to overreact about that. Like, oh my God, we just lost to Colorado. We just lost to Grambling. Oh my God. Like, well, they turned it around. They got it figured out. They had a really bad shooting day. CU played some pretty decent defense in that game, but they had a really bad shooting day and they got blown out. Sometimes it happens. And these new, that's why these neutral site games are valuable. And I'm glad that CU did have the opportunity to play a power five team like Florida state who they were down last year and they got blown out by Florida this year, but that's a talented team. And it's a tough matchup for CU because they always have length. That's the one thing about the way that Florida state recruits. They always recruit these guys that have big arms that can, you know, clog up the passing lanes. So not in my opinion, a terrible loss. It's one that you could potentially live with. It's not a resume killer. CSU, that's a huge opportunity to make up for it. I'm I'm actually very glad. Like it's a great resume move for us to have them. I think they beat uh, number eight Creighton by like thirty points or something. They absolutely dominated Creighton, and they're going to come in ranked. We just got knocked out of the ranking, so it's not a, a ranked matchup, unfortunately. But that is a huge, huge opportunity to to get a resume building win early on. And this would be an amazing, I mean, you're beating a top 20 team in their own building. That is a huge, huge resume opportunity. Will they do it? I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's a, that's a really tough matchup. I think CSU, one of their, man, just look at their whole starting five. It's just beasts. They got Isaiah Stevens who's a fifth year senior, Joel Scott, who is think that's uh, Josh Scott's brother actually. And he was at uh, D2 last year. It was a D2 All-American. And they just go up and down the roster. That is a really, really good team. But if you win that one, then you're in really good shape. And then you get you get number 10 Miami coming up. Or let's see if they did Miami move up. Miami was, was number 10 last week. Um, and they're number eight now. So we get another top 10 team here, or uh, our first top 10 team. Uh neutral site later uh, later on in a few weeks. Man, that week non-conference that we were all complaining about before now looks fairly good and puts it puts CU in a really good position going to conference play where the Pac-12 is kind of down. It's actually kind of down. If Arizona is really good, obviously they're number two in the country, could be number one. But when you go after that, there's USC is lost. They lost to UC Irvine, I think. Some really bad losses. Um Oregon lost to Santa Clara. I want to say there's some so conference looking a little bit winnable this year. So if you go in with a strong non-conference performance and then you do pretty well in conference, like there's a tournament bid right there. So still very optimistic. What do you think, Topher? Uh, that uh, that CSU team is one that is bought in, and they are 100% behind their coach, and they play with so much energy and so much tenacity and so much joy, like. Creighton had no chance from the, from the first tip. They had no chance. Um, so uh, I am going to be eager to be able to watch some of that game. I coach uh, high school basketball, so I'll miss the first half. But um, I think the key to that is you cannot let the highs get too high because when, when CSU builds on it and they get on a run, it feels like they can just smother you. Um, so we, we got to weather the runs and, um, you know, really dig in and find a way to get battle through that crowd. I think we're looking at a very, very tough game um, on Wednesday. Yeah, definitely going to be an exciting game um, up in Fort Collins. If I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's a Moby. Um, that's that's going to be crazy. Like they historically, they don't pack that stadium out. Um, I, I went to a CCSU game out maybe 10 years ago out there. And this was against a, a ranked CU team and it wasn't full. Yeah. So uh, I, I get the feeling that it will be that, that they're going to pack it out this time. Um, I, I mean, a lot of a lot of CU and CSU fans are cut from similar cloth, right? Or local local people. A lot of people originally from Denver area, um, and a lot of people from Fort Collins go to CU. A lot of people from Boulder go to CSU, right? So we're cut from the same cloth. And if you see your team beat a top ten team, you're hype, right? That's your moment. I remember back in 2011. That season started off really bad for CU. That was Tad Boyle's, I want to say it was Tad Boyle's first year. It was CU's last year in the Big 12. And they start off really bad that year. And then they beat a top 10 Missouri team at home in front of a fairly empty Coors Events Center. 
and the hype just took off. And then all of a sudden, most of the game started packing out. And that's, that carried, that momentum carried multiple seasons too for, for the program. So it wouldn't surprise me if this, if the hype in Fort Collins starts building and, and this is a huge opportunity for them, but also a huge opportunity for CU. And this is a rare instance where we have to be thankful. If you lose to CSU, it's, you don't, you don't feel terrible. Like you don't, I mean, you feel bad, but you don't feel like your whole season's coming crashing down from how painful it is. Like, Oh, I can't believe we lost to such a bad team. This is a really good team. So it's just, it's more of an opportunity to to elevate yourself than an opportunity to deflate yourself. And whenever the Rocky mountain showdown is like that, it's a blessing because that doesn't happen very often for the buffs. One, yeah. 100%. And, and honestly, that CSU game would be a great, great chip to have on the resume. Um, you know, like you yep. said, with the, with that week pack 12. So I don't know that, that Miami team looks pretty scary. I'm not sure. Um, even on a neutral site, but, um, yep. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, and then, you know, Colorado women's team now ranked seventh. They got walloped by NC state. I don't know if you guys caught any of that, but it just, I mean, that game was not particularly competitive at any point, but some, you know, some decent wins against some decent schools beat Southern Methodist, Cincinnati, Kentucky. So, um, none of those teams are particularly good this year in the, in the women's side, but. Um, yeah, you got you know, that LSU win. still, still, yeah. still P five wins and, and you hammered LSU on a neutral court. So, um, you know, not a, not a lot of great opportunities before conference play starts, but number 12, Utah will be there, um, on uh, the day before New Year's Eve. So I might be in Colorado. Yeah. I might try to catch that game. Um, up yeah, that'd be bank. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking of going to that too. Let's definitely, uh, let's definitely go up to Boulder if, if you're, uh, if you're around. Yeah. The NC state game. So honestly, every game before that, uh, well, I guess Oklahoma State, we were actually watching that a little bit while we were recording our last, last pod. That one was a little bit sus too, right? They blew a big lead in the second quarter and had to just hold on for dear life. Um, historically, that's a pretty decent program. So I don't know if, uh, I don't know if they're having a down year this year in terms of, in terms of Oklahoma State. I haven't been following them too much. Uh, yeah, it looks like they've lost a, a number of games early, early on in the season here. But, um, other than that, they've just been flat out dominant. And then NC State. So that I, I did watch the, that whole game. And the big concern that CU is going to have to figure out is it's actually very similar to the men's team. How are you going to sort out these teams that have uh, players with, with length that can clog up passing lanes? NC State just, God, the, I think CU start off the game three of 18 shooting they couldn't hit jump shots they couldn't penetrate a lot of turnovers uh netty vonley finally had a rough game after being super dominant shooting over 70 percent pretty much every other game this year um that was so there there may be like a, an area where cu has identified there's an identified weakness that they really have to get better and that conference for the women's basketball is historic. It is re- absolutely ridiculous how good the Pac-12 is this year in women's basketball. I think they have five teams in the top ten. Just insane. I, it's I I can't think of that ever happening. So look at this: number two UCLA, number three Stanford, number six USC, number seven Colorado, and then number twelve Utah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do in conference when you're gonna play that kind of competition? So it's going to be really tough. Off to a pretty good start overall this year, though, despite that loss. And now you got a run of uh, mid-major teams that you really have to beat, including at Air Force. So that's going to be an interesting opportunity to uh, maybe for some fans down in the Springs to go see uh, go see the women's team. And then, boy, you're going to get hit hard with some really, really tough basketball teams in conference play. So fingers crossed. Still a super talented team. Still a lot of season left. And hopefully they can get it sorted out here. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it's been a lot, bit of, a little bit of a longer episode tonight, but we'll probably wrap it up there. Um, you know, hopefully that makes up for us missing that Washington State game, but we just we just didn't have it in us. I don't know. Um, <laughs> call me crazy, but yeah. With that being said, uh, we do have a fairly exciting guest that we have we anticipate coming on. I, I don't know if I should be teasing that just yet, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, so definitely be on the lookout for some future episodes from us over the off season. We'll be sticking with some basketball, um, recap. I don't know how frequently we're planning on doing it, but 
Um, we've got some off-season topics already lined up, some pretty exciting guests. So um, stick with us. We appreciate everyone's support. Um, give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, um, X, whatever you want to call it, YouTube. And uh, thanks for listening. Let's go Buffs. Go Buffs, baby. Go Buffs.